The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value, and so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and welcome to today's show. And today's show is actually the fifth birthday of the Business Elevation Show. So uh, wonderful to uh, have you and, and talk to you. Uh, today, uh, five years on since I started, I can't believe it. Now, we're going to talk about the sustainable leader today with Elizabeth Vinberg Hearn, my guest. But before we do that, I'd like to say a big thank you to uh, to my guest last week, um, Mike Mooney. He's the Senior Vice President of Business Operations for Rush Fenway Racing, one of the big racing organizations that uh, form part of NASCAR. And he was talking about resilience. And um, one of the things that stood out, lots of things stood out in that conversation and, you know, fascinating talking to somebody with that sort of experience uh, in motor racing was um, a quote from uh, Morten Albach, the chief marketing officer of Vestis, a Danish wind energy corporation. And he said, today we serve two and only two masters, revenue and reputation. The trick is to position your brand and build your reputation in the sweet spot between capitalism and humanism. And I think that's you know, what's uh, partly what the sustainable leader needs to do. I was also thinking of resilience, and and it was at that point uh, after the show when I was reflecting on it uh, that I suddenly realised. I looked at my calendar and realised that today was five years since my very first edition of the show. Uh, on that first show, I had a very good friend, uh, Meta Block. She's twice world champion row and speaker from Denmark, and she talked about mental toughness, and she was a brilliant guest. And uh, it's just a complete um, coincidence that today I have Elizabeth uh, Vinberg Hearn on the show, and I actually met her at the very same event with MetaBlock, and um, probably about seven years ago, eight years ago, something like that. So, a nice coincidence there. So, five years later, uh, 216 unique shows, and I think I probably have my own resilience story. You know, at times it's been tough to keep on going, but now it just feels a natural part of what I do, and, and a brilliant way to connect and learn. And, and I just love. Uh, doing this show every week and I'm full of gratitude uh, for the fantastic guests I've had on the show uh, and also the listeners and particularly those who from time to time take the opportunity to write to me and I really do appreciate that and many of our listeners and guests have become great friends. Uh, and my life's changed a lot from over the five years doing this, and I can't believe I'm involved in leadership programs in Nairobi next week and Oman in a few weeks, and uh, we've got a growing team here, and we're developing engaged leaders and employees, and uh, I think with a, a greater touch of humanitarianism. So thank you to the listeners and those many exceptional guests. So let's talk about today's show. Let's talk about sustainability, because it is something that is at the forefront of many leaders' minds, but how can that tra- be translated into the way that we lead our businesses? 
And going back to that quote by Mort- Morton there, you know, there must be, there's a sweet spot, isn't there, between capitalism and humanism that, you know, businesses are trying to, to find. Elizabeth Vindberg Hearn is a really experienced business owner, a senior leadership strategist. She specializes in winning teams and sustainable leadership. Um, you may have guessed by her name, um, but you, you probably will when she starts to talk. She's from Sweden in Scandinavia. And after 13 years with American Express, leading international cultural change uh, initiatives, she started her leadership consultancy, Think Solutions, back in 2001. Since then, she's been building strong teams, developing great leaders, driving cultural change and customer experience. There have been all sorts of uh, facilitations and experience. She's got some amazing clients, clients that she's worked with, like the Royal Bank of Scotland and MasterCard and IKEA and Greenpeace, and I can, I can go on. One of the things I find um, fascinating as well is that she has an MBA in leadership and sustainability, which I didn't realize there was an MBA in that uh, from the University of Cumbria. So a huge welcome today to my guest, Elizabeth Vindberg hearn Thank you so much, Chris. Great to be here. Uh, absolute uh, pleasure to have you on the show today. And I want, maybe we could start, Elizabeth, by you telling us a little bit about yourself. You know, where were you, you were brought up and, and how you ended up living in England? Well, I, uh, I was... I was born up in the north of Sweden, just south of the Arctic Circle, so very far north, but moved to Stockholm when I was quite little. But my extended family all live up north, so I spent loads of time uh, in the very northern parts of Sweden, including the the coast, but also Lapland, which is a fascinating, fascinating place to be. Very outdoorsy, very, um, yeah, very vast somehow. It's a big country. Mm. It's a big country. I did, though. So if you're thinking about how I ended up living in England, as you mentioned, I worked for American Express in, in Stockholm for a number of years. And then I was offered a job at the European head office in Brighton, just south of London, and um, came here and met to the man who became my husband. And we, we then moved back to Sweden for a number of years. But we also returned to England about a year ago, which is great. We're really enjoying being back here. I've just come back from Stockholm myself and Sweden That's right. uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago and I must have been, I was kind of wondering why you might want to come and live over here because there's a <laughs> you know, beautiful landscape and forests and there's not so many people and cars and um, Stockholm's a beautiful place. So uh, you know, how, do, how do the two compare? I think there are always pros and cons. And I think the, the drawback with having moved away from where you're from is that you're always missing something. You're always, to some degree, comparing and thinking, actually, I really like that there and I like that there. And ideally, you'd like to mix and match and create the perfect place. But it doesn't doesn't quite work that way. I think uh, one of the main reasons we came back to England is actually because we have children who are obviously half Swedish, half English, and we thought it'd be great for them to experience England properly rather than just coming here now and then in their in their uh, holidays and, and seeing people that way. So that's one of the reasons why we're here. But also, I enjoy being here. My husband works here. I do a lot of work in the UK, and I write books with a, with a colleague of mine here. So for me, it's good to be here, and I love, I love the coast. I love the sea. So uh, it's raining today, but otherwise, it's been quite nice the last few weeks. Mm. I must admit, I have been to Lapland as well, which if uh, anybody has not been up there, it is, it is an amazing, awe-inspiring place, isn't it? It uh, is. You know, that must be you know, very different living up there to you know, moving to a central population with lots of people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, I think pros and cons with both of it. I'm not sure I could live uh, out 
so remotely all the time, but I love going there now and then. There's a sense of peace that I think everyone can benefit from to now and then just get away from everything that's just really busy. Uh, and for me, it really helps from a concentration point of view, inspiration, innovation point of view, that kind of remoteness and, and, and stillness can do that for me, for sure. And was it that background that inspired you to focus on sustainability? I mean, I think of Sweden as being, for you know, more sustainable, you know, quite conscious in that that sort of element, you know, environment and you know, looking after things, and you know, even well, down to allowing people to just roam across forests and land, absolutely closing it up. It just seems no. to be. Yeah. No, I agree, and I, I, to some degree, I'm sure it's played a part for me. I think some of the things we grow up with, we don't question, we just take them for granted. And I think it's part of the Swedish culture to have a certain focus on sustainability, although it wasn't always called that, of course. But as you mentioned, we have something called the right of public access, is that anyone can pretty much roam anywhere, even if it's on someone's private land. The idea is that the land is everyone's. So... And I think with that comes a certain sense of responsibility as well. If the land is all ours, we also take great responsibility for it. And that doesn't mean that everyone always does that. But I think there's a sense of it that the people share. We are also, as I say, a lot of, we're very outdoorsy. So, so in that respect, I remember as a kid, we were always out orienteering. That's how I remember it, running around in the forest and, and just being outdoors. But I think also we have a lot of focus on social welfare. All through the last century, there was a real focus on that. And the fact that Sweden's not been in a war for over 200 years, that's actually 202 years, means that in the last century, Sweden was able to build up a fair few more um, big businesses than, than otherwise would have been possible for such a small country. So I think all of those things together play towards the sustainability. Yeah, great, great. Um, so what would you, how would you define sustainability in business then? Well, I would say it's about creating and delivering long-term sustainable results. And I think I, I would also describe it as it's a recognizing that you're part of a big interconnected system. So sustainability in business is about carefully managing all uh, the resources that are needed to have a sustainable and successful business, business over time. And it's often described as uh, the three Ps, or you're working with three bottom lines. You're not just focusing on the money bottom line, which people are most familiar with, but you're working with the three Ps. You're working on the people bottom line, the planet bottom line, and the profit bottom line. That's because those three resources is what you need to very carefully balance in order to to survive over time as an organization, if that makes sense. Yeah, so you just got a little bit a little bit muffled there um, with 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 your mic. Um, so you said people. Did you say planners and profit? Yeah, so people, planet, and profits. Planet, sorry. Um, yes, so meaning then the natural resources that are available to us on Earth. Y- yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, that makes no, that makes um, makes uh, you. So so you know, the challenge when you say profit is that about is that about, where, where does profit fit into this equation? 
Well, I think if unless you make a profit, unless you're able to do something as an organization that actually brings some kind of financial value, you will not be able to operate over time. So you still need the profit because otherwise you won't be able to do good either for your employees or other stakeholders, your suppliers, or indeed in order to do whatever you want to do to, to do good in, in, in the world, if you like, because a lot of organizations want to do that as well. Yeah. And do you think it is, is, is it a case of kind of finding this sweet spot I talked about earlier? Because, you know, there's an example between, you know, the, the line between commercialism and, and profit. Or, yeah, or, I I agree. I think, and I like I like the that description of resilience because I think it is something as an organization, as a leader, you have to have resilience to try things out because this is complex. It is complex to manage all of these dis- different aspects of business, and you have to try and try and try and be resilient as you fail along the way as well when it doesn't always go the way you had intended it but absolutely i think it is there's some kind of a sweet spot but i think the sweet spot changes so it's not a given that once you've found it there it is mm. you need to keep finding different ways of tweaking your offering and how you operate because things change around you and therefore your sweet spot will also move y- yes yes and i, and I, I guess you know, I think that you know there could be examples. And there must be examples out there of organisations who have taken this line to become much more sustainable. They've become much more human, and actually, profit has, you know, accelerated as a consequence. Absolutely, and ultimately, it should because you know they all need each other. All these, if you want to call them the three bottom lines, I, I, I think it's quite an easy way to look at it: people, planet, and profits. You need them all. You need them all all the time. You, you do, you do. Um, although some of them can seem, you know, the planet bit can seem longer term, can't it, when there's short term pressure? Yeah, them. Um, yes, that's the trickiest. Uh, that's, that's actually one of the trickiest bit because I think most organizations have short term financial goals and expectations that need to be met to have the, the, the support of shareholders and the, the trust of the market. But at the same time, some of the companies that are really keen on getting sustainability right and offer value over time, they're also able to communicate to the relevant stakeholders, trust us, we're doing this. It might be a shorter term, not as big payoff as you would have wanted, but longer term is going to pay off more in all these different categories. So there's a bit of, bit of managing expectations needed. Definitely, big time, big time. So if we don't uh, follow this line of sustainability, what what are the problems that we experience and see? Well, I think one of the key things is that the resources that you need as an organization you're dependent on, they'll be lost, you know, squandered, depleted. And, and you then will not be able to operate the way you want to operate over time. Because, if, for example, if, if you have people that lose trust over time, people get disillusioned with the way that you run your business, then you're not going to have their support in the future. And that support was worth something. You needed it to be able to operate. And that goes for all, you know, that goes for um, the natural resources as well. So that's certainly part of it. And, and of course, there's a damage to the brand, I would say, for an organization when this happens. There's more and more of an expectation from, from people 
all around that there should be some sustainability, that there should be ethical uh, behaviors within an organization. And, and people are looking in. It's so transparent these days that you want to do it for that reason as well. You, you know, everything you do is on display. I think some people don't get don't sort of get that though do they uh, i've experienced it myself oh, yeah. where so what were you thinking about sorry yeah what were you thinking about that sounds interesting yeah i was just thinking of an example it was it was a client that i was working with uh, fairly recently and you know to get them to think more than you know to think long term and i was particularly thinking about the people aspect you know thinking about how to engage people and to create a culture an environment that really did uh, attract and, um, and 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 feel that it people could link their very deepest core values to. Mm, mm. You know, was, it was a tremendous opportunity for them, but they, you know, still chose to play. Um, you know, in a quite a traditional uh, uh, cultural environment where people had to turn up on time and had to be dressed in a certain way and had to behave in a certain way and couldn't. Uh, you know, couldn't take a, a breakout for 45 minutes in an afternoon, you know, and, and it became um, very demoralizing for them. Uh, yeah. But they just couldn't see that longer term perspective and actually the benefit of of creating that culture where people just would rather be there than anywhere else. Yeah. And, and I think that's an example of that people rarely change unless it gets so painful where they are or it's so, oh, so attractive what they're changing to. And it sounds like in that case, which I think is true for many organizations, people don't see the burning need. And until they see the burning need, it doesn't happen, right? The conviction isn't strong enough and something usually needs to happen in order for that conviction to become strong. Yeah. And when you've got a concern for the planet, I mean, the planet also plays to you know, deeper values for some people, doesn't it? A lot of people Definitely. do care you know, about that sort of thing at a deep level in, in the in the personal lives as well as at work. Um, if you go into an organization that cares as well, then one of the benefits must be greater engagement. Definitely greater engagement. And, and also you can attract more people. You can attract employees, suppliers, and, and, and other business partners that you need. Because also younger generations coming into the workplace are many times disillusioned with the way organizations have been run. And they say, you know what, we want to do something for a reason. We want a purpose. We want the organizations to be doing the right thing. So there's also pressure from that point of view, which means when you do it, you can attract more of them. I once had a graduate at an event afterwards. Uh, she came over to me and, uh, and a friend and said, you know, could you, could you advise me, what, which organizations do you know of that I could apply to that would make me a better person? Yeah. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. It wasn't uh, where will I get paid the most and might I be able to pay my student loan off quickest. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get to commercial break now. And after, after the break, we'll start to um, look at the, the kind of leadership that's required to manage sustainability. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called 
the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific time on the voice america business channel if you hear a dog barking or an angel singing then you know that you're listening to waking up in america heard every wednesday at three pacific time valerie kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential adventure is always a must on waking up in america with valerie kirkard every wednesday at three pacific comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Elizabeth Finberg Hearn, and we're talking about the sustainable leader. And if you've got any questions or any any thoughts after the show, do feel free to email me. I love to hear from people. Now, Elizabeth, what kind of leadership is is needed then to manage sustainability? Well, this is where it gets really interesting, I think. And I'm I'm obviously passionate about leadership because I think leaders play such an important role in organizations. And when you do it really good, there's almost nothing you can't do. The interesting thing here is that um, there's not much written about it. So there aren't that many great books out there about leadership linked to sustainability specifically. But if I was going to summarize it, I would say it's very much a strategic leadership uh, where you take a holistic view of business and the society and the world you operate within. So you can sort of see beyond the fact that you are just running a business. The other aspect of it is that you're very aware of impact. You're able to manage the complexity and you're also then engaging and including others in in doing that and getting others to, to be aware as well of their impact. And I would say there's nothing new necessarily about this. I think this kind of leadership has existed before as well, but I don't think it's had the kind of focus that I believe it needs to have now. But ultimately, if you're going to summarize leadership generally, it's about influencing because leaders can't do it all themselves. So the most effective leaders are those who are able to influence people to act and behave a certain way, which is what sustainability is going to need, really. So does that mean, I don't know, you're you're a factory and you're producing you're producing widgets or biscuits or something like that mm-hmm. that you you know you set some parameters which might be i don't know looking at ingredients perhaps to looking and see how ingredient those how sustainable those ingredients are or if it's electrical components 
Absolutely. Uh, I think, again, I think it's if you break it down, and I think you need to make it as tangible as possible, but if you look at the relatively simple model that I talked about before with the three bottom lines where you look at people, planet, and profits as the three areas that you always need to balance, you would maybe look at, okay, so what what natural resources am I using here and how are they harvested? Where do they come from? Are they sustainably sourced and so on? But also what people are we dependent on? It could be people within the organization. It could be it could be uh, suppliers or other business partners that you, you work with and, and how are you managing your interactions with them, for example. Because I think, for example, the way the way you wouldn't be sustainable is that if you can't build good relationships with those people that you're dependent on, and that's where I think it often breaks down. To be honest, yeah, yeah. So, so are we talking? Are we talking? Um, well, we're talking culture here through the people, but we're also talking about yeah, we're talking about resources, aren't we? And how you how you balance that. So. Uh, what we must also, you know, within that, you're going to have to educate people, aren't you, to also think about their areas in a more holistic uh, p- perspective. Absolutely, definitely. Many many years ago, I used to be, I used to buy um, flour and cereals and maize. I think I, I bought the highest volume of biscuit flour in Europe. It was about hundred over a hundred thousand tons of this stuff. Wow. Buy, but and there was 130 or 40 different specifications of it. But we could actually, uh, that was going back probably 15, 20 years ago, but we could we could identify from the batch of supplier exactly which field it came from. Yeah. Um, so we would we would look at that that level and we would look at how how much integrity there was in the products. You know, if you were making, I don't know, tortilla chips, you know, actually tortilla chips are Mex- is a Mexican kind of name. The, the, the masa flour ought to come from Mexico. So we would look at it at that level as well yeah. uh, and uh, to, to create a ethical story, I suppose. Absolutely. Um, so we need um, we need to be able to influence um, others to be able to understand and think about this sustainable uh, agenda. Mm. Um, but how do you really get everyone to own it? Well, this is obviously, I think this is the biggest question of it all because it, I mean, to start with, I really think it needs to start at the top. I think the the CEO, senior leaders need to be great role models for this. You can achieve stuff with people in pockets doing things, but but overall, you're not going to get the, the great results there. I think to own it, you need to have it as a, an overreaching strategy over how you run your, your organization. I think there needs to be a combination of facts and passion. And, and the leaders need to express to get people on board using stories, using stories like the one you told now with the flower. You know, we're sourcing this here. We're doing it from a place where we know that they're going to be relevantly paid so that they can continue to provide uh, quality products for us or ingredients for us. And it's also, I think, to give people a purpose People don't just want a job. People want a purpose. When people can really feel that I'm making a difference here, I'm actually contributing to something that's important for me, then that helps people to engage with it. So I think a lot of it is actually happening at an emotional level where you connect with people and people connect with that purpose. You give people a purpose. There is, of course, often 
you may have a sustainability department. A lot of organizations have because this has become on the agenda for, for, for them. But the, the problem with that can be that the rest of the organization thinks, well, actually, I don't need to do anything with this because we have a sustainability department and you sort of then abdicate your responsibility. I don't know if you've, you've come across that as well, Chris, in organizations you meet. Well, I think I'm just the example that came to me actually was like having a human resources department, uh, yes. and which I, I don't like the word human resources. Actually, it's you know we're, yeah. we're all we're all people, um, yeah. not a resource. But you see that, and then it's you, you know you could feel like they they do the human resources, not me. But actually, it's everybody's responsibility. Absolutely, isn't it to manage people well and lead people well and Absolutely. recruit them well and that sort of thing. And I guess I can imagine the same thing happening with the sustainability department. Once you give that title to a person, then you know, they're going out um, yeah. talking about sustainability. And also everyone else can, can sort of breathe a sigh of relief thinking, great, we, you know, we've got it in hand. We've got someone who takes care of it. Yeah. I think something that's worth mentioning, though, and it's not specifically to leadership necessarily, but when you look at organizations that do well in the whole sustainability arena, they are often supported by laws and regulations. So when organizations need to behave a certain way because the countries where they operate have laws that dictate that they need to think about how people are treated and all this kind of stuff, then you can much easier get to some of the sustainability results. So there are a number of different factors that play in in how easy and, and obvious it becomes for an organization, how sustainable you become. Do, do you have a, an example of a company that you really do think is, is very sustainable? Are, are there model examples out there or just people who are doing bits of it? I think there are a number of organizations that are doing loads of great stuff. Uh, recently, there's a number of different ranking systems out there that look at organizations to say, okay, who are the most sustainable? And uh, Corporate Knights is one organization that come out with a yearly ranking. And BMW, the car maker, is at the top of this year's ranking. Oh, great. And the interesting thing is when you look at them, it's based on how they have been able to reduce energy and water and, and, and waste. Uh, they're also really investing in innovation. They're focused on diversity. They're also able to deliver better financial performance because they use less of the resources, for example. But they also have senior leaders whose pay is linked to sustainability results. Mm -hmm. They are uh, getting a lot of... Um, credit in this ranking system based on the fact that they are responsible for paying taxes, they uh, have low employee turnover, and they have a low CEO to average worker pay ratio. So those are some of the things that's looked at when the sustainability ranking is done. Oh, that's really helpful. I'm also pleased that I'm, I'm driving a sustainable car, hopefully. <laughs> At least it comes well, to I, actually. <laughs> Very good. Sustainable. And, I mean, there's a great list. If anyone's interested, go to corporatenights.com and have a look. There's a number of great companies on there. Just to mention a few others that are on there at the moment, you'll find Adidas, also also German, um, Coca-Cola, L'Oreal, H&M, uh, BT, Aeroport de Paris, uh, Westpac Banking in Australia. So loads of great companies out there doing a lot of hard work to achieve sustainability. Fantastic, um, fantastic. Um, we um, yeah, we had the um, 
vice president for community footprints on the show um to richardson i think her name was um mm. stevenson sorry and she was uh, you know talking about the ritz carlton group and what they do which is her was her company and uh, you know that that organization as well um seems to do you know massive amounts for local communities and um very concerned so, about its footprint and yeah they were actually one of the companies that we studied a lot when I was at American Express working with cultural change. We were working using a model called the service profit chain from the, the Harvard Business School, which is based on the idea of the link between employee engagement, customer engagement, and, and therefore payback that you get that you can reinvest. So I would say it's almost like an early sustainability model but didn't have all the pieces in it. And there, uh, the Ritz-Carlton was sort of the, the company that everyone went to look at because they did this so well. Mm. So, and I've studied them loads. I, I admire them so much. They are very, very cool in how they operate. They certainly are. They certainly are. Um, can, though, sustainability occur if all the leaders are not on board? Mm. I, I just find sometimes with some organisation a person who maybe just sabotages and stops something really happening well. Yeah, I think I don't think you can fully get there. I think it is a question of saying everyone needs to be on board, right? You can you can get some results. Don't get me wrong, but you cannot get the the full on effect that you could have had unless people are on board. So I think if you haven't got everyone on board. You need to do everything that you can to get them on board or maybe have the conversation that maybe they, if they don't appreciate or, or, or value or share what's going on, they maybe prefer to be somewhere else anyway. You know, It's a question, I think, about finding uh, at any given time for an organization is to make sure that you have people on board that really want to be there. Mm. Now that surely that's the whole point. You go to work, you spend so much time there. Speaking of employee engagement, you want to really, really be there. You don't want to waste your time not really buying into the idea of where you are. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. And and if leaders are really you know committed to this sustainable agenda, do you, should they be just dem- demonstrating sustainability in their you know personal lives and the type of car they drive to work and if they're really committed to it? I think I think to some degree it depends on also what kind of business you're in. So certain industries, I think if you're if you're in um, if you're in renewable energy, for example, if that's the industry you're in, you're probably more focused on that aspect of it. Mm. Whereas if you're in some kind of services business, you may be more focused on how you treat other people because that is the industry you're in. Do you see the yeah the the difference in there? Yeah, I think, though, that as you work with sustainability and as you start to see the impact of actions and behaviors over time, you sort of naturally become more sustainable, I would, mm-hmm. I would like to say anyway. It's mm-hmm. hard not to. Well, I suppose people who are in, in, very involved in sustainability, it's, it's often part of their, their business, their sort of personal value set, isn't it? And, Definitely. And, and they're part of, I, I think, with this, people do like to be part of movements, Yes, and, and I think there is a movement towards sustainability, and I think it's a it's a movement that you could you know bring into organisations and have lots of people want to jump on board and uh, and uh, feel more you know, feel good about what they're doing. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think sustainability is fun. And I think sustainability should be fun. It shouldn't be a way of punishing or thinking, oh, we, we're doing things wrong. Or I think it's about releasing the fun and the innovation that means you keep looking for new solutions that are going to help you do better, not just as an organization, but as a society, as, as, as the world. We're somehow, we're all coexisting. <laughs> Everything we do will impact other people. And if you can have fun while you're looking at better and better solutions, then that can't be wrong. I'm going to try and work out now um, how I can make doing my recycling fun because I don't find it particularly fun. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you can reward yourself some way. Maybe. (laughs) No, it it needs to... You need to try to make it as easy as possible as well, right? So I guess... Think, think innovatively here, Chris. You know, have a think about how can you make your recycling innovative. I could get, I could get my ten, ten-year-old to do it for his, yeah. to earn his pocket money. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Will that feel better then? <laughs> I've actually, I've actually tried that one, and we, we, we need to go back to it. <laughs> I think it's a good thing to do, though. Um, we've just got a couple of minutes to commercial break, but I wonder if we can maybe start. You know, are, are there some? Can, can you break? The so the characteristics of a sustainable leader down are there three or four key characteristics that these people need to embody? Yeah, I think um, I think you need to be aware. Awareness is a big thing. You need to be aware of yourself. You need to be aware of the impact that you're having, so that you can manage stress and pressure, for example, and uncertainty. The world is changing so fast that if you're going to be leading effectively you also need to be able to to work with the uncertainty and 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 the pressures around you but it's also about being socially aware so you understand what's going on around you so that you understand how how people are responding how the effects of what you're doing are working in 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 several levels i also Mm -hmm. think you need to be extremely open-minded to say you know what i don't have all the answers no one does to, and stay really curious and say, wow, what, what might we find out here? And really think innovatively about how you run your business, how you collaborate. You should maybe be collaborating with your competitors, you know, that kind of thing, to really think outside of the box. And that old, you know, I'd like to say there's no box. There shouldn't be a box. There's no limit to the kind of innovation that we can achieve if we think about it that way. Mm. I think it's also very important to be extremely inclusive and that that comes with realizing that you know as a leader you don't have all the answers you so need other people you need to include other people invite other people to discussions talk to stakeholders really understand explore together because not only do you share the ownership with people when they really feel they've been brought along on the whole journey but you also get so much better answers because ideas feed ideas and, and on it goes. But also most importantly, I think, it's all about practice, not rhetoric. There are so many times where we may talk about something, but we don't actually do it. It all comes down to practicing what you preach uh, as a characteristic for a sustainable leader. Excellent. Well, we're going to go to commercial break now. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about after the break. Um, so do join us again. We'll be back with you in just a couple of minutes and we'll um, start to uh, just to tease a few more things into, you know, like what, what should you do if you're thinking about this for the first time? How do, what, what are, what's the first thing you need to do? Um, what's the first step you need to take? So we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. <laughs>
America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hi this is chris cooper um, we're talking about uh, elizabeth and i about the sustainable leader and elizabeth it was really helpful when you were, we were chatting about some examples i think you start to appreciate when you hear examples about the you know, creativity and the different things that you can do around your product offering to be, and your business and your people to be more sustainable. And I wonder, do you have, have you got any more examples of organizations that you, you know, think have really taken hold of this sustainability agenda? Yeah, I think, um, as I said before, a lot of organizations do things on sustainability, and I think everyone can do more. Right. And uh, there are, as I said before, a lot of big organizations, small organizations that do a lot on this. Another quite interesting list uh, or ranking list, if you like, is something the Fortune magazine does called Change the World List. Mm -hmm. Here they're looking at organizations that take on society's biggest problems and they make money doing so. Ah. So the idea is that you actually have a business model that intentionally goes out to solve some of the problems around you and at the same time you make money while doing it. Right? Yes. And I, um, on this list you have organizations such as uh, GlaxoKleinSmith, I think came top of the list recently. You've got General Electric, you've got Heineken, you've got Tesla, you've got MasterCard, there's a number of organizations on there. And also some of the ones you would also find on the Corporate Knights ranking that I talked about earlier. But what's interesting with this is I, I've been doing some studies recently on, um, on strategy and competitiveness um, based on some work from Michael Porter, who's obviously the big strategy guru at Harvard Business School. And he's talking about something these days called creating shared value. And 
the, the way he describes this is that there used to be a time when organizations were into philanthropy. You know, you should be doing good as an organization, paying money towards something and really sort of invest into parts of the world that needed that investment. And then from there, he describes it as we've then transitioned into corporate social responsibility or CSR or sustainability or there are so many different words for this. But, you know, you know what we, we're talking about here. And he's saying that the next step is really creating shared value. That's when business, you create business models to solve problems in the society around you. Mm. So this is what this list was talking about which I think is really interesting because I think that is more advanced again. It's a step further from sustainability. Now, it's not just about managing your resources, but it's actually taking it a step further and say, maybe there is something out there that we really want to contribute to specifically that's going to do good and it, it, we're going to benefit from it as well. Do you see there's a difference in there? There's like a... I, mean, I really do, and you, you've got me think, you're thinking I'm out next week with leaders quest in Nairobi in Kenya and mm -hmm. you know one of their intentions is to really be able to help leaders in you know who are trying to lead communities out of poverty and you know where there's major problems like HIV and so and, and those leaders often you know doing great things but they don't get the you know the education that uh, other leaders in more um, high you know, high um, income societies do. So what they do is that they, they provide programs for uh, leaders open and quests and quests for, you know, big companies like HSBC, etc. to go on. But, you know, the profits from that so we go to help those leaders in those communities also join the programs. Um, so, so it's, you know, it's very sustainable in what it does and, and on contributory. So that, you know, that helps to solve the problem. Mm. Mm. So I know you're going, out, you're going out to, is it Mozambique you're going to? I'm going to Mozambique, absolutely. I'm going out to Mozambique and um, working with uh, an organization there on um, self-leadership, really, in how you, how you help people to build belief in themselves so that they can go forward and, and do well in, in the society and, and contribute um, as a result of that. So I'm going to be doing that in a, in a few weeks' time. So it'll be good to hear how you get on with that. Um, be um, be fantastic. So if you're a senior leader, you're thinking now, where do I start with this? Sustainability is not really on our agenda. It ought to be on our agenda. Um, feeling a bit foolish because we've not really approached it appropriately. What should be your first step? I think the first step is to not beat yourself up. To actually say, you know what? We, everyone's busy, people are busy, and it's easy to just sort of keep running, if you like, unless you have a burning need. I would say think about it in terms of decide that you want to be successful in the long term, because that's what it's all about. Sustainability is about delivering long-term success for everyone involved, okay, right? And, and to use, decide to have that as a major strategy, to say that's going to help us run a more effective a more successful, a more sustainable organization, and then embed it with your leadership team. Really deep down, go into it with your team and discuss and say, how are we going to do this and what could that do for us and, and how do we start approaching this? And then you also need to think about how do we need to lead, right? So this is what I'm really passionate about. What kind of leadership will it take to really have that kind of sustainable business? And this will change, you know. We may think that we have some of the answers to that today, but that will change because there will be new, new 
challenges that come up, they're going to demand new things of leaders. So that's why staying really, really open-minded as a leader and say, I haven't got all the answers, but I keep being curious and I keep being open to taking in new learning. That's, that's what you need to do. And then, you know, find someone that can help you explore it. You know, contact me, contact someone else who can help you start breaking this down and seeing how you make something very tangible and practical out of it. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think it is an area where it is helpful to have experts to come in, you know, like yourself, uh, think solutions to come in and, and help people understand the arena and, and facilitate those conversations. Um, I know there's uh, you know, a few people starting to really do that and do that well. I was with, with some um, friends and clients of mine, LSP Leadership. They do, do that. You know them as well. And um, I think it's a really value-added added service. Uh, I think it's hard sometimes to, to be really objective for your own organization. And that's why sometimes having someone come in and help the discussion going in this can really help you focus uh, in a different way than if you're just trying to do it internally because you also may not have all the extra information that might help you from what organizations are doing in, in, in other places. Does it help to you know, get people out into environments you know away from the office to really think about this because it's quite you know it's quite innovative and creative in terms of needing to brainstorm and think about what the the, the possibilities and the permutations and combinations could be do you, you know, yeah i think that the setting where you go has a huge impact so if you can leave the office and be somewhere else and be like i talked about before you know go to lapland no but yeah. you know go somewhere where you feel that you, you can think differently. I think it's interesting to think about as well that also what will, as, as a leadership team, how can you really challenge yourself in your thinking? I remember once going to a, what I hoped was going to be a potential client, which was a bank in Sweden, and I've done quite a lot of work in the, in the banking and financial world, and very innovatively, they didn't want to work with me because I had worked so much in the banking industry. And they said, yeah. we actually prefer to work with someone who doesn't know our industry because that will push us and, and challenge us more. And I thought that was really great. I was like, mm. you know what? I like that. Mm. And I think that's how you can think as an organization as well. Who can we connect with that can really challenge us? Mm. Yeah, because there's a danger. You, you, you could bring lots of examples and ideas from what their competitors are doing, but maybe, yeah, yeah. someone's worked with a car industry, with BMW or something. Exactly. Could be and that's when you really, that could really trigger your thinking. It could. <laughs> if there was, um, you know, if there was a book you'd recommend people to read on the subject, one book uh, to understand sustainability better, what would it be? It's a tricky one. Um, as a said there's not really one on the sustainable leader as such however when I when I was doing my MBA studies on, on leadership sustainability uh, we read a book which was really really eye-opening I thought for me and it's a book called Let My People Go Surfing mm -hmm. by Yvonne Chouinard who's the founder of Patagonia the clothing company yeah and he's a really good example it's it's I think it's the, the subtitle is something like um uh, confessions of a reluctant businessman or something like that. <laughs> and I think he really describes sustainability from a point of view where he wanted to, he was more around the sort of environmental sustainability and all those things. He was close to nature and he didn't really want to make money off of, he create, started to create things that they needed 
when he was out climbing and all these kind of things. And he didn't really want to make money, but he realized that he, people got involved over time and now he needed to make money in order to be able to continue to support those people. So he learned over time that actually you really need the three Ps that I talked about earlier in order to be able to do what you want to do. And in his case, he wants to be able to run a business so that people can go surfing. And yeah. do you see what I mean? It's the whole... It's a really, really cool book, actually, and I, I would recommend it um, very much. It's it's a cool book. Sounds like there's also an opportunity for your next book. Yeah, I'm thinking I should do a sustainable leader. I'm thinking that it might be a book. But actually, um, I, my my most recent book that I've written with my colleague Mandy Flint is called Leading Teams: Ten, Ten Challenges, Ten Solutions. It actually talks about a lot of the very tangible things that you need to do as a sustainable leader. So that might be another book tip, actually. Excellent. Ten challenges, ten solutions, leading teams. Yeah. Brilliant. So if we're about to come to the end of the interview now, but I wonder if you've got any final messages that you'd like to leave people with. Uh, I think sustainability is just on the agenda for everyone, I think. I think, you know, if, even if you're doing something on sustainability, you can probably do more. I think it's really about securing the future success of your organization, right? And the leadership practices and behaviors in an organization is key to making it happen. Um, it's all about, it's not what you say, it's what you actually do. Yeah. So I think getting that to heart with everyone to say, I'm, I'm a role model in everything I do. And that, that's what leaders are all about in the end. But I think another thing to think about as well is that just as I described the, you know, the Michael Porter's idea around the creating shared value and business model for, for societal problems, all of this keeps evolving. It's fluid. It never, never stops. So whenever you think you've got it worked out, it will have changed again. So mm. keep an open mind. That's going to be my key message here. Be curious and open-minded and don't think you have all the answers because you take in so much more, you learn so much more, you find so much better solutions when you keep that all open, open, curious. So it, feel, it feels like it has to be very much part of your, your purpose, uh, your, your vision for your business, at the heart of what you do. Yeah. And I mean, have you, I don't know if you've read the, um, there's a really, another really good book actually that I would recommend is Drive by Daniel H. Pink, yep. which talks about human motivation. Yep. And uh, that human motivation is a large part of that is purpose. When people feel they're doing something for a purpose, uh, they just have more internal motivation. So purpose is important, without a doubt. We all have some kind of purpose. I'm very, I'm very convinced about that. Well, well, Elizabeth, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You're the Thanks first, you're the first Swedish person from Lapland that we've had on the show. And I'm so pleased to be the first. And, and I'm, I'm sorry it's taken me five years to, uh, to, to get you onto the show, but uh, I hope that people will really go away with some inspiration from that uh, about how to be a sustainable, sustainable leader. It needs to be at the heart of what you do. It needs to come from the top uh, and, uh, and needs to be something that you know, you're continuously, creatively uh, working on. Uh, and I love the, you know, the, the thoughts of the people thinking about the people, thinking about the planet. And obviously, you've got to make a profit to, to keep things moving forward too. But uh, uh, some great recommendations there. So thank you so much for being on today. Thank you, Chris. It was a pleasure. So pleased to be on the fifth anniversary as well. 
absolutely great to have you on. And so I just also want to mention next week's show. So I should also mention if you want to contact Elizabeth, go to um, elizabethhearn.com. Uh, elizabethhearn.com and uh, that's, Eliz- that's uh, E-L-I-S-A-B-E-T and then Hearn is H-E-A-R-N.com so you can find out more there and on next week's show um, as I'm going to be in, uh, in Kenya uh, w- I've pre-recorded a show with um, a, a friend of mine um, on uh, podcasting with Eamon O'Brien and uh, he's ne- also has a podcasting show I've got an, obviously an online show and what we're going to do in that show is we'll take you through the things you need to really think about if you want to do the same sort of thing yourself you know if you want to do your own online radio show or podcast and after five years of doing this I've got a few tips and thoughts and ideas for you and also if you're going to be like um, Elizabeth today you're going to be a guest on a the show uh, there's some um, uh, important messages about how to do that and how to do that well as well so uh, that's next week's show and I will be back here with you then um, very soon after that so um, wish you all a great week thank you we thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show please join your host Chris Cooper again next Friday at 8am US Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel be more achieve more